that Barstett taught a suppressor, but the Tetronic had to be used to find the suppressor for superfilling. And if you look at the petition, for example, at page 17, appendix 106, it says, a person of ordinary skill in the art using Tetronic polymers as suppressors, as taught by Alling, would have arrived at the claim. But the institution decision itself, the very institution decision on page 323 and 324 said, Barstead discloses surfactant-type suppressor agents and, quote, also discloses particularly suitable surfactants, including, I'm inserting the word, including Tetronic. So I guess I'm just not finding persuasive at this point your argument that neither the petition nor the board was approaching this from the position that this could be found in this reference. Okay, the statement you just quoted was that it found Tetronic a particularly suitable surfactant. That does not say it's a suitable suppressor. It's certainly not a suppressor for superfilling. If I could, I'd like to... Are you trying to argue that the board didn't rely on Alling at all in the motivation combined? What I'm trying to say is that when you look at Morrissey, it found that Alling does not teach Tetronic as a suppressor for superfilling. That was the reason that Tetronic was cited in the petition. Didn't teach it explicitly. Apologies? Didn't teach it explicitly. That's what it said, yes. What about implicitly? I don't believe so, because it also said Alling does not link the use of Tetronic products as suppressors to a superfilling process and fails to cure the deficiency of Morrissey. Didn't the board also say that when Alling talks about dimensions at the level of 200 nanometers, and therefore it's necessarily suggesting that Tetronic is appropriate to be used as a suppressor for superfilling? It did not say that. The 200 nanometer dimension in Alling was in the historical background where it talks about why are we using copper now instead of aluminum. Answer, because it's so narrow. Okay, so I'm misremembering. The board didn't point to the 200 nanometer dimension disclosure in Alling? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, then what did it talk about when it... What was it trying to say with regards to 200 nanometers in Alling? It was saying that Alling talks about 200 nanometers. And 200 nanometers is something that is known where you can use a superfilling in that instance, right? Yes. Okay, and then Alling is also talking about how Tetronic can be a suppressor. That's correct. Okay, so then you agree when you put it all together. Alling talks about using Tetronic as a suppressor in interconnect dimensions of 200 nanometers, which we both just agreed the board indicated means that we're talking about superfilling as being super. The plating bath in Alling had two metals in it, copper and nickel. And the point there was that copper would be conductive and nickel would not. I'm just trying to get to what the board found. I mean, if you drag me all the way into the science and try to retry the case here at the appellate level, it's not going to work. You've only got 10 minutes left. I'm just trying to find out what the board said. And it sounds like my memory of what the board said is correct about Alling. What the board found, though, is that Alling does not teach Tetronic as a suppressor for superfilling because Alling had a two-component bath. So where did it say that, that we reject any argument that Alling discloses Tetronic as a suppressor for superfilling? Page 34 of the 
decision. Alling does not expressly teach the Tetronic products. Which what page? 34? 34. Right. That's expressly. But the yeah. point the board was trying to make is that implicitly that is what was going on in Alling, and that is supported by substantial evidence. It didn't say that because on page 35 it says, thus Alling does not link the use of Tetronic process products as suppressors to a superfilling we process. We have to read everything in this decision in context. I think it's fair, the fairest reading is that the board is saying it doesn't expressly say the very words that, um, about Tektronik being a suppressor in superfilling, literally. It doesn't literally say that, but when you put it all together in context, that's what it suggests. That's, I think, the fairest reading. But, but when you look at Morrissey, Morrissey had the same spec as Barstead. Well, that's going a little far, don't you think, to say it had the same spec? It didn't have the same spec. It didn't talk about a surfactant-type suppressor. It didn't talk about grouping Pleuronic and Tektronik together. It didn't talk about Pleuronic as being used as a suppressor, again, in 200 nanometers. So it's not the same specification. This court last time affirmed the board's finding on unpredictability that if two chemistries differed in any material respect... This court also found in the original decision that the board was being inconsistent and self-contradictory when it said that Barstad doesn't teach using Tektronik as a superfiller suppressor. In the context of an unpredictable... And the board needed to go back and clean that up. In the context of an unpredictable art like here, OSI said that even where there was a teaching that Erlotinib was active against non-small cell lung cancer, that was the teaching. They looked at the underlying support for the statement and found it wasn't there. They found that therefore the teaching that Erlotinib was active and useful against non-small cell lung cancer didn't count and therefore it wasn't obvious to use Erlotinib against non-small cell lung cancer because it was an unpredictable art. Just like here, this court has found very strongly that if two chemistries differ in any material respect in their properties and structures, you can't assume one will behave as the other. And in this case, you pointed out the Pleuronic suppressor for superfilling in Barstad. The Pleuronic does not have any nitrogen in it. Tektronik has a diamine core of nitrogen. BSS experts said that nitrogen core would be expected... Barstad also teaches that Tektronik can be used in superfilling. And that is what the board found. Barstad does not teach Tektronik to be used in superfilling. It's a Pleuronic enemy. Well, Pleuronic, but it also said... It identified Tektronik and Pleuronic as to be used in Barstad's invention, which is about superfilling, which is about bottom-up deposition. Barstad had conformal as well as superfilling. Right. But there's nothing in the reference that excludes the use of Tektronik in the superfilling context. That's what the board found, and we're not going to revisit that here at this level. You've lost that on below. There's substantial evidence to support that understanding of Barstad. The OSI case, I believe... And then Barstad groups together Pleuronic and Tektronik in one passage. And so, again, the problem is it's reasonable for the board to look at the overall reference and talk about how it talks about the grouping of Pleuronic and Tektronik, and by extension say Tektronik can also be used as a suppressor in superfilling. 
Barstat put Tetronic together with Pleuronic as surfactants, not as suppressors. Surfactant-like suppressant, isn't that what they said? But every suppressor is a surfactant. A surfactant is a very broad term. It's like saying a round ball. When they say surfactant-like suppressor, isn't that a suppressor that has surfactant capacity? Every suppressor has surfactant capacity. So to say that, it's like saying, I want a human being who's alive. All human beings are alive. On the question of what Howling teaches, and you said it didn't teach Tetronic copolymers as suppressors, what do we do at the top of page 21 in A21, the board's opinion? We agree with BASF that Howling identifies an industry demand for plating interconnects that requires superfilling and discloses various plating bath eddies that include Tetronic copolymers as suppressors. It's inconsistent with their conclusion in pages 33 and 34 that that's not true. And the last time we were here, such an inconsistency caused a remand. Here, they've reached... I don't think you're arguing that in your briefs, are you? I did, yes. That there's inconsistency on this very point between these two things? Yes. Where? I will get that for you in my rebuttal. Okay, why don't we save the rest of your time for rebuttal. Thank you. Mr. Blythe? Yes, Your Honor. Please proceed. Good morning, and may it please the Court. Enthone plainly disagrees with how the board resolved certain disputed questions of fact underlying the board's obviousness decision. Why don't you start with the APA issue? Did we raise the argument that Barstow teaches Tetronic? Your theory here of why there is invalidity. Yes, our theory, Your Honor, has been... Certainly, Alling played a major, major role in the petition, right? We did. We did cite Alling a number of times. But if you look at the petition, the primary theory is that the Barstow reference teaches Tetronic copolymers as suppressors for superfilling. Now, the Barstow reference, as we discussed... Which would lead to say that Barstow anticipates. Well, I don't know that we could say anticipates... What else do you need if that's the case? Well, the reason for that is there are certain technical descriptions or aspects of the Tetronic suppressors that are claimed for which we need the BASF catalog to confirm. So it couldn't be a straight anticipation argument. But you could look, Your Honor, just at Barstow to find that the prior art disclosed Tetronic copolymers for use as a suppressor in superfilling. And that's what the board found. Right. But as soon as you get there, then the need for Alling drops out. It could. You wouldn't have to get to Alling. But the board did rely on Alling. You need the catalog for the other issues. That's correct. You need the catalog for the technical aspects of a Tetronic copolymer. Are you trying to say your petition was kind of like a belts and suspenders thing? Like it was relying on both Barstow and Alling for the notion of using Tetronic as a suppressor in a superfilling context? Yes, that's correct. In fact, it cites both, as the court pointed out in the claim chart, we cite both Barstow and Alling for that proposition. Barstow uses this... A prior art reference does not have to sort of spell out everything explicitly. You would take account of the knowledge and ingenuity of a person of ordinary skill in the art. But Barstow uses this surfactant-type suppressor language to identify Tetronic as a suppressor in the full context of the disclosure in Barstow. But in order to make sure that was clear, we also have the benefit of the Alling reference. And the Alling reference, as the court noted, deals with 200 nanometer interconnects, which would require superfilling. There was no dispute on that amongst the experts. 
and specifically says that tetronic copolymers are useful as a suppressor. And so if you start with that understanding that in Alling, it says tetronic copolymers are useful or can be used as a suppressor, and then you read Barstad where it talks about surfactant-type suppressors and identifies tetronic along with pluronic, it's that sort of full-context belt and suspenders approach that we presented. So what do we do with the board's statement on page 35 that your colleague has pointed to? That Alling does not sufficiently link... No, that tetronic products doesn't link the use of tetronic products as suppressors and superfilling. Yes, so our argument to the board was that... Isn't that inconsistent with the previous finding? No, there is no inconsistency. I believe in Tone's argument... One says Alling teaches this and the other says it doesn't. No, I think that the board had a consistent set of findings on Alling. So the board's findings on Alling were that Alling discloses tetronic as a suppressor and that Alling relates to superfilling by virtue of its reference to 200 nanometers, but... What does it mean when it says it does not link the use of? That's right. Is that magic language? Right, the board found... We disagreed with this, argued to the contrary below, but the board did not go with us on this. But we argued that the reference to 200 nanometer interconnects required superfilling and therefore a person with a skill in the art would put that together and find that Alling... You're not helping me because as I understand what your adversary colleague says is that at one point in the board opinion they say Alling teaches the use of tetronic products as suppressors and superfilling. And then at the end they say it doesn't teach that. I don't think that the board said in its opinion that Alling teaches tetronics as suppressors in a superfilling context. The board found three things on Alling that are consistent. One... Look on page 21 in that sentence that I read. We agree with. You got that sentence? Do you have the board opinion in front of you? I do. And what sentence are you referring to, Your Honor? I'm referring to... You probably weren't listening. I read it. We agree with that Alling identifies industry demand for plating and discloses plating additives that include tetronic as suppressors. Yes, that's correct. But that's not inconsistent with... So you can include it as suppressors, but at the same time it doesn't link the use of tetronic pressors as suppressors. As suppressors for superfilling. So that's why it's consistent. But it discloses them as copolymers as suppressors. Yes. Alling discloses tetronics. There's no dispute that Alling discloses tetronic copolymers as suppressors. And Alling discusses the need for plating to nanometer interconnects, which relates to superfilling. But what the board did not find, contrary to argument, but what the board did not find... But Alling indirectly teaches that you use superfilling in at least the tiny situation. That was our argument. But the board found there wasn't a sufficient link in Alling between superfilling and tetronic as a suppressor. But Barstad did have that link. And that's why the treatment of Alling across the Barstad and Morrissey references is consistent. Because those same three principles that I reiterated are what the board found in Alling. In the final decision, what use is the board making of Alling in the combination? What the board is finding is that Alling confirms... Answer my question if you could. Yes. What role does Alling play in the ultimate combination of Barstad and Alling? Yes, the board used Alling to confirm that a tetronic copolymer is a suppressor. 
So in the Barstead reference, the way that the Barstead taught Tetronic as a suppressor for superfilling is through this discussion of surfactant type suppressants. But there is no sort of sentence that actually says Tetronic is a suppressor in Barstead. Alling includes that sentence, clarifies Barstead by saying Tetronic is a suppressor. Barstead takes that a step further in its discussion of surfactant type suppressants and confirms that a Tetronic and Pluronic can be used as a suppressor in a superfilling context because Barstead, there's no dispute, is about superfilling. And so that's the connection. That's how Alling was used, just as a clarifying reference, essentially, as to what's disclosed in Barstead. Once we get past the APA issue and have substantial evidence on what does Barstead teach and assume that we agree with you and agree with the board that Barstead does teach what it needs to teach, then the case to me boils down to whether there's a reasonable expectation of success. And on that one, you're calling your adversaries arguing, well, there's a difference between Tetronic and Pluronic and all the arguments that he's making. And it didn't seem to me that the board really came to grips with the distinction between nitrogen, oxygen, the two. They have a conclusory statement that one of skill in the art, there's testimony from your expert that one of skill in the art would have found, in fact, a reasonable success. Why is the board's conclusory statement sufficient? So the board addressed both motivation to combine and reasonable expectation of success on page 21 explicitly. But I think it's important, as Judge Chen noted, that you have to read the board's entire opinion in context. Because by the time you get to the board's discussion of reasonable expectation of success... What the board's relying on is your expert's testimony at page 813, I believe, famous paragraph 39. 29, I believe, yeah. That's right. And what the board said... And 29 concludes by saying, Opposa would have used Tetronic polymers as suppressor agents in superfilling. That's correct. When he says used, I suppose he's trying to say would have had a reasonable expectation of success in doing so. That's correct. If you look at the entire disclosure and discussion from the expert and the opinion from the board in its full context, that's made even more clear. So it's not just paragraph 29 of the expert's declaration. What the board says for... What else? Yeah, what the board says for reasonable expectation of success is that Barstead... The reason it was an expectation of success is because Barstead teaches Tetronic polymers with superfilling. And so that discussion comes after the board's previous discussion in its opinion of why Barstead... And there are 21 different Tetronic products that meet the limitation of the claim. Right. And so there's a lengthy discussion about why Barstead taught that, why Barstead taught Tetronic copolymers for superfilling. And as part of that discussion, there is further elaboration on the overlap and connection between Tetronic and Pluronic copolymers, like why a person who is going there would expect them to have a reasonable expectation of success, that they would behave similarly. And that's on appendix page 14, which cites to the petitioner's briefing on remand, pages 11 and 12. That's appendix pages 675 and 676. That cites additional portions of Dr. Pound's declaration. So it's also paragraph 28, paragraphs 33 through 35. That starts on appendix page 1217 and 1221 through 1223, where Dr. Pound, BASF's expert, talks about how both Tetronic and Pluronic copolymers are block copolymers of ethylene oxide. 
and propylene oxide. The two copolymers are marketed together. Tetronic and fluoronic are referenced together, you know, combined in each of the prior art references. Dr. Pound discussed how uh, the two, tetronic and fluoronic, have similar properties and would be expected to behave similarly for scientific reasons that he elaborates on. So the board, in its discussion of Barstad, cites that discussion uh, in BSS briefing, which then cites to Dr. Pound's testimony. And so there's more than substantial evidence in the record to support the reasonable expectation of success. The only thing I would caution is that you do, as uh, Judge Chin noted, you have to read the opinion in its full context. That, that's, the, that's the evidence that's in your favor. It's not all one-way street because the other side in the case has got some evidence that says that the tectronic material is less likely to have the non-stick uh, characteristic that you want so when the glop goes down, it doesn't stick on the wall. Sure, but the board considered both sides. They considered yeah, why is it in this good. technology that that these that the chosen suppressant, when you, you imagine the slot that you're trying to fill up, and you don't that you you want to make certain that it fills from the bottom up so there's no air, no air pocket. Why is it that the suppressant, the favored suppressant, has this capacity of sort of lubricating the wall so there's not a lot of stick? on the wall as the stuff goes down, but it all it also doesn't lubricate the bottom, so it sticks well on the bottom. Right. Just, why is it that the, that the suppressant doesn't have the non-stick capacity throughout the entire trench? Uh, these compounds have been found to adhere to the sidewalls and, and not to the bottom. And I think you also have to consider there are other additives that are at play also, uh, a brightener or an accelerator, which are the same different terms for the same thing. Uh, and the brightener accelerator, I think, sinks to the bottom is the general understanding of, of where the copper is being added uh, and sort of helps accelerate the addition of copper at the bottom while it's generally being suppressed on the sidewalls and at the top uh, is the general understanding of how that would work. Uh, I, I would say that the board, further to your point, Judge Clevenger, did consider uh, Intho's arguments. Um, on the technical issues, whether it's cationic or not, and rejected those arguments with a thorough and reasoned analysis. And that's all that's required. There's substantial evidence to support the board's conclusion. Well, uh, we don't know the, the where you point in the opinion. With the, I don't, well, I'm not going to say we call that an analysis. They recognize the argument on the other side, and then they reject it summarily. Uh, they do, citing to BASF's contrary arguments, I believe. So, for example, one of the arguments Enthone has made repeatedly is that uh, a person where you still in the art would not have expected a cationic suppressor to work. A couple of points I want to make clear, because there was an issue raised in the reply brief that I think is, is incorrect, which is, that, first of all, the claims, uh, Enthone's claims in the 992 mm-hmm. patent don't claim a cationic suppressor. Enthone uh, suggests in the reply brief, well, it would be cationic in an acid solution. Well, the claims don't include an acid requirement either. So there's nothing to suggest a cationic suppressor. And you have to consider reasonable expectation of success in light of what's actually claimed. Uh, and so there's no uh, basis for a distinction of the claims in that uh, in that regard. Okay, thank you, counsel. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Evans, you have some rebuttal? <coughs> thank you, Your Honor. Judge Clevenger, you asked where we explained that, or we asserted that there was a conflict in how Allen was treated. That's in our reply brief. Section 3 starts at page 13 and goes to page 15. Thank you. I just want to address a few points that just, just came up. Um, this court affirmed the... I didn't remember it in the main brief, so thank you. For that. Okay. 
This court affirmed the unpredictability standard when you have an unpredictable art, which they found this to be, confirmed this to be. You have to look at structure and properties of the two chemistries. That did not happen here. Had they done that here, their expert, Dr. Pound, testified that the nitrogen core in the Tetronic would be expected to absorb more strongly to the bottom of that channel than Pluronic. Different structure, nitrogen in Tetronic, no nitrogen in Pluronic. Different outcome, stronger adhesion. Their scientist, Dr. Brockman, published a paper five years after the priority date of this case where he looked at suppressors that contained nitrogen. He said those suppressors will be cationic. They will bind to that bottom floor of the substrate. They will not release, and you will get conformal plating. They won't work as a suppressor for superfilling. So five years after this patent was filed, BSF scientists were still publishing papers saying a Tetronic-type molecule that has nitrogen in the suppressor will not work because it won't release. Assuming that the BSF person said that, and there's some question of that, does a statement five years after the filing date matter? Aren't we supposed to look at obviousness from the time of the invention, and the time of the invention is the filing date? So this is post-filing? Dr. Pound said at the time a Posita would have expected it to stick more firmly than Pluronic. So they were different structures that led to different properties. As far as it being cationic, the claim requires an electrolytic plating bath. You need the acid in order for it to be electrolytic and work. And their expert, Dr. Pound, testified that it would be cationic. The nitrogen would be cationic as used in the claim. Okay, Mr. Evans, I think that our time has expired and we've gone beyond it. I thank both counsel, but this case is taken under submission. Thank you.